Welcome to the Consummate Athlete Podcast, where our goal is to help you find health and community through movement. I'm Molly Herford, a writer, coach, and yoga teacher. And I'm Peter Glassford, an endurance coach and kinesiologist. Every week, we're talking to athletes and experts who can help you lead your best active, adventurous life. Whether you're a gravel racer, a marathon runner, or you just got out on your first bike ride yesterday, we're here cheering you on. You can also visit us online at consummateathlete.com for coaching information and training tips, nutrition advice, yoga flows, bike skills, and more. And now, let's get into this week's episode hello hello welcome back to the consummate athlete podcast peter i'd say how's it going but the the red around your eyes sort of gives away the fact that you had a i'm feeling fine i feel terrific you had a big day yesterday well we both did yeah we were back we did a tag team eight hour relay mountain Mm -hmm. bike race so that was good yeah we're sort of signs that racing is coming back here in ontario canada Uh, yeah i hope the same wherever you are Yes, signs that my my mountain biking is coming back as well. Yeah, no, you're I... back riding. You did very well. Oh, the, thanks, your, dear. Your pre ride did less well. You ended pre-ride up with a well. interesting welt on your chest. But, yeah, uh, uh, just everyone. Uh, PSA: Please make sure that you have end caps on your mountain bike handlebars, or actually any handlebars for that matter, like road road cyclocross as well. Like I never actually really thought about like the handle or the the end cap rule they don't in cyclocross. Have I told you the story about when I was, you know, 14 or 15, just sort of starting into riding and there's gentlemen used to go around with like electrical tape, I think it was, and nickels. Do they have nickels? Five cent pieces? Yeah, yeah. we have nickels. Okay. Um, yeah. And he would tape them onto the end of it if someone didn't have an end cap. I don't really feel like that's that helpful. Yeah, I don't know. That was, Yeah, I guess it's sort of like uh, knucks. What is those like uh, metal knuckles? For fighting? Yeah, like a yeah. brass knuckle <laughs> to the chest. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. Uh, Anyhow, anyway. it, it is important, I guess. It used yeah. to be, at least. Yeah. So I learned that this uh, this weekend. I was just doing a very relaxed mountain bike ride and, just, you know, very minor. Like, I stalled out at the top of a climb and just sort of, like, did the topple over thing that you do, you do when you're not used to clipping out and clipping in and you don't clip out fast enough to get a foot down and suddenly you're, you're on your side. But my handlebar went sort of right into my chest. Uh, so sort of like hit me in the sternum and I actually have end caps on. This is not like a, I didn't have bar end plugs and like right. this is the result. Like I had bar end plugs on and I still have like a huge like cut bruise. I don't even know what you'd call it. Sure. Um, scrape, I guess. Okay. Any other takeaways from the racing of mountain bikes? Uh, just that uh, going hard for a couple hours is uh, a very different kind of pain than going like doing an ultra where you're just sure. sort of trying to go steady for like 10 to 13. Yeah. And I think that's, you know, why we want to maybe do warm up races or not take these first races, you know, back or in the season or where, wherever, whatever situation you're in, you know, try not judge yourself in the moment and certainly after too much, you know, it's sort of getting repetitions in just like we would with our training. You know, the first time you do a workout, you don't need to judge yourself too much. You get through it and then you can move forward from there. Right. So heard a lot of that sort of just like, Oh, it's really hard. Uh, and then also the sort of back tension, right? Some people call it back pain, but oh it's very common, gosh. right? And in, in cycling, you're sort of hinged over, especially mountain biking, you know, the bike's moving around underneath you and maybe you ha- you've been on the trainer, you haven't been mountain bike racing. So that's very common too, right? So not to get, you know, freaked out that you have, you know, chronic back pain now. It's just, you know, it's a bit of backstory. It's like your quads are burning, you know, your back's burning. It's it's okay uh, in most cases. So that was another sort of takeaway I, I, I found. Now, did you have anything you, you recommend for that post-race, like getting the back sort of worked out if it's still feeling tight? I mean, I would say recover and start training more specifically is probably, you know, the, the, the thing you're in. And usually it starts resolving itself. Honestly, I don't, I think maybe, I don't know if it's people start doing, you know, more race-specific intervals or they just race more or or what it is. In most cases, it resolves, right? And if it doesn't, then you go down your normal path of for sure. I mean, like, do you, back pain do you have any like acute, like thinking like foam roller, ice, that kind of stuff that you like? I mean, during it, it, I think, you know, you, you can sort of work around it and sort of sit up a little bit. And I always find that like pulling the shoulder blades down, uh, assuming it's related to sort of hinging or hunching over. Even sort of I helps. had your voice in my head the whole time just being like, stand up, stand up, stand up. Yeah. And that can help if someone's efficient for sure. Right. Sometimes it, that aggravates people. But yeah, you'll see people like stretching at the front of their hips. Right. You know, so then sometimes it's okay. Maybe you are too hunched over and that might be part of it. But again, it might not be something. It might not be bad. It might just be you're in this position working as hard as you can. Right. It'd be like doing leg presses or squats for, you know, two hours. In your case, you were riding for about two hours. You know, when was the last time you did leg presses, you know, hinged over 
it at some point you're gonna get tired right or rode for two hours. Yeah, and then afterwards, I don't know. A lot of times people know what they, they feel better, right? Sometimes it's laying on the ground. I find like putting one leg up on a, a table or something. Uh, so it's at about 90 degrees and just laying there and breathing really deep through your belly. Remember, you know, that diaphragm sort of connected all around to your low back spine. So that can be really therapeutic, sort of five minutes each leg. I find that one really relaxing. It's nice after a race. It's nice whether you have back pain or not, honestly. Um, what else do I do? I don't know any of these back pain the mcgill stuff's great you know if you want to do something active but a lot of this stuff is just you know going to sleep waking up the next day yeah definitely i think even just taking a couple minutes though when you get home especially if you've had like a drive to get home that like few minutes of whether it's a yoga flow or just laying on the ground or whatever something, just getting out of that yeah. like seated position from the car i think <laughs> yeah is pretty and big. like arms overhead would be another one like again those arms are sort of connected down the side of your body to your hips so sometimes it's yeah sort of stretching out the side of your body uh different ways but yeah people find their way i guess but yeah i think the main thing is that in the moment it's okay you're not falling apart it's just new it's totally just, it's just hard you're trying to do a hard thing yes i like it cool okay so on to today's episode i'm actually super excited about this one we have bonnie shoop from ibex on uh, and some people especially some like older cross-country skiers might remember the ibex brand so they've been merino wool for a long time um, and I was super excited to get to chat with Bonnie because she's actually just like a total consummate athlete. Yeah, sounds like she lives in the mountains. Yeah. So she does live in the mountains and she's all about like she was it, when we talked, it was a few weeks back. Um, she was just transitioning from skiing to running to like gear up for a 50 mile trail run. She'd spent all winter doing like backcountry skiing adventures. Um, so we talk about, you know, just sort of her, her biggest adventures, some of the most fun stuff she does, how she sort of you know, trains for all of these, these big things while working, you know, sort of normal hours and actually trying to re revitalize the Ibex brand, especially in the U S and North America. Right. So it's been, it was really interesting. And so this, I will say is like not a sponsored podcast or anything. I just really like the idea of Merino wool. Um, I remember a few years back when we were in Europe all the time and just traveling around and stuff, I, you know, still had clothes from when I was, you know, a young, broke college kid. So a lot of like Target, Walmart type things. And we'd get over to Europe and I'd like wash them in the washing machines once and then like go to dry them and realize there either wasn't a dryer or it's like that washer dryer combo that is not actually a dryer. Yeah, I don't know. If you haven't been to Europe, it's there just isn't dryers. It's like a steam dry. So your stuff still ends up kind of damp and weird. It's warm, though. Yeah, it's warm. Yeah, Yeah, nice and warm. Still wet, but warm. Um, And so if you have like cheap fabrics, they actually don't really like shrink back to the size that they were when you first put them on. Um, So I'd go over for three weeks and end up like running out of clothes because my stuff was just getting destroyed uh, over there. So you know, I started looking for like better quality stuff and Merino kind of came came up just time and time again as like, this is the thing that, you know, you can hand wash in the sink or you can throw in the wash and, sure. you know, you can wear it for cycling, you can wear it for skiing, you can wear it for running. It's, it may be that some people don't know, I certainly didn't know coming into it, uh, starting to train and that, you know, there's wool, you know, maybe, you know, you have like a wool sweater or something, which is, you know, different, right? And Merino wool or some of these hot, smart wool or high-tech wools or mm-hmm. whatever they're they're called they're they're great like they the keep the smell down which i like uh and they dry fast and yeah they're just really compact but then also warm but then also flexible where they like if it gets real if you get overheated like i do because i overdress all the time they tend to be better than some of the other uh like under like layers i guess or base layers mm-hmm. more breathable yeah yeah so I, i've liked wool for a long time um for all those reasons, right? I guess, especially the smell, but uh, yeah. Yeah. And I, when we've I done, like it for that and too. I think, you know, for us in our book in, you know, this consummate athlete idea, we're looking for clothes that sort of let you do any of these things where right? so you're not buying a special shirt for cycling and a special shirt for running and a special shirt for hiking. And certainly some of these wool pieces we have are, have been around for a bunch of years now, which is important, you know, the longevity. Uh, and then they also, you know, I can wear it riding and go right into a hike or something, right? And it stays dry and relatively stink free and, and again, works, right? It, it's there you go. Now you're just wearing a, this wool shirt and it looks great and away you go. Yeah. So I was excited to chat about that and really just more about her athletic background. It's always cool just to get someone who is just more of like the, the 
average is kind of maybe like in quotes here since we are talking about 50 mile runs and stuff but like just someone who's working a normal job who's doing all of these crazy adventures and you know just really like carving out time for it yeah these are the people we love yeah all right let's get into it enjoy this conversation with bonnie shoop all right bonnie i'm very excited to have you on the consummate athlete podcast um Let's let's kind of just get started with like your background as an athlete. I like that. I love the phrase mountain athlete because it like is such an open, open approach to athletics. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's kind of funny because I was like, oh, I'm going to be on the consummate athlete podcast because I don't necessarily think of myself as like a like a fine tuned athlete. <laughs> um, and I was thinking, like, why do I? you know, why do I do these sports? And, um, so mountain athlete to me is just like, a li- it's more, it, it's, it describes me better than just saying that I'm an endurance athlete because I, whenever I do a race, I don't, um, actually like do the race to win. I usually like I'm running this 50 miler, um, with a friend of mine, but it's really gives me this base to be able to do whatever I want when I want. So <laughs> no, see, I love that. That's like exactly why I do races at this point. Like it's a hundred percent just to kind of give me a reason to train in the way that I want to train pretty much. And like, yeah, feel like I can pretty much tackle whatever adventure sort of comes our way. So it sounds like you're right. You're in the same boat. Now, have you always been like athletic or is this like a later in life thing? Or how did you come to this period where you're like, ah, oh, 50 miler, no problem. Well, um, so when I was younger, I actually, um, you know, I wasn't really that into sports or anything. And so then one year I ran across an ad to bike across America and for the American Lung Association. And so I thought that was a really cool way to spend my summer. (laughs) And I, um, I was working at a comedy club at the time. So I did this big comedy night and raised $10,000 for the American lung association, bought a bike and then biked across America. And then ever since then, I have just always been into endurance sports. It was just like, it was a really good fit for me to do that. That's amazing. Um, yeah. And then after that, I, you know, I would race a uh, loaded jet every year. Cause that was just kind of like my race that got me to train. Um, and then one year I was kind of just sick of loaded jet. I was signed up for the race, but I was like, oh, I don't, I don't know if I want to do it. And a friend of mine, um, told me how he does ultra marathons and that he was running the Wasatch 100. And he was like, Hey, you're totally welcome to pace me. And I was like, okay, great. So I bought a pair of running shoes and I ran 30 miles of the Wasatch 100. And I was so floppy. (laughs) 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 I like, I could not, like, I just, every part of my body was so stiff the next day. Um, it was pretty funny, but then I've just really loved running in the mountains ever since, um, just because there, you know, it requires no gear. Mm-hmm. Um, my latest thing has been because I live in a mountain town as well. Um, and my favorite trail run, which I run all the time without fishing, but my favorite thing now is to bring my, um, Tenkara rod. And then I run this 15 mile loop and I get up on the continental divide halfway through that, but I try to fish all three lakes that I hit and see if I can catch a fish <laughs> up as fast as possible. That's amazing. Uh, wait, what do you yeah. do if you catch a fish? Do you like put it back or do you like put it in your pack and you're like, all right, here's dinner. Just got to get home quick. <laughs> Just get home. No, I put it back. <laughs> amazing. Amazing. Okay. We have to come back to, sorry, what were you doing at a comedy club? Were you actually like doing stand up? Um, I did do stand up a couple times and then I really just mostly waitress. I'm really interested. <laughs> I, I think comedy is just, I mean, it's just so fun, right. That, um, I've always been really interested in it. So amazing. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
Okay, from, from comedy to to Mountain Town, I love this. Um, and I also want to ask about the the biking across the U.S. Um, that's you know a pretty intensive uh, undertaking. Uh, did you run into any issues? I'm just like picturing kind of first rides, and you're just like, oh, I'm just gonna go across the country. Um, how did you prep for that? And I mean, did you realize like? bike shorts were a thing or like had you been riding a little bit before then or how did this go <laughs> I really hadn't ridden <laughs> I hadn't ridden much at all um I bought my bike maybe a month before we left and then bought all the gear um <laughs> and just packed up um and then the first week I would literally like just get off my bike and set up my tent and <laughs> crawl into it and go to sleep. Um, yeah, no, it was a little, in, it was an intense undertaking. <laughs> I think I, I don't know why I do that, but. <laughs> well, I kind of love that because it does sort of demonstrate that like, you know, we have all of these sort of like best practices and I can talk for hours about like the right bib shorts for you or like, you know, the, the best way to do bike packing or like the best things to bring or whatever, but like, ultimately a lot of it gets down to just getting out and doing it and just kind of giving it a shot. <laughs> Seems like you're big on doing that. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So yeah, okay. I've definitely honed my gear over the years. We'll say that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, um, and did I see you ski in the winter too? Yeah. Um, I, I definitely, I love to do backcountry skiing. Um, I live in Netherlands for a reason. Um, so last year, I think also what has happened with me and why I would say I'm more of a mountain athlete than like a real athlete is like, I'm just like everybody's endurance buddy. So whenever, (laughs) whenever a friend of mine will get like some crazy idea that they want to do, they'll be like, Oh, well, Bonnie's solid. We'll invite her along. But that's um, the best so, person to be like, that's, that's actually literally like the reason we started the consummate athlete is we had a friend out in BC and we were out there for like a weekend and he is not a professional racer or anything, but in that weekend, he like went downhilling on his mountain bike and then like went on like a regular mountain bike ride, like with a pro and like kept up. And then he went like kiteboarding and then he was like doing this crazy, like backcountry drop, like hike out kind of like bananas thing and we were just like oh my god that's so cool we want to be able to do like we want to be the friend that gets invited on all of those things which it sounds like you are so there you go you are a consummate athlete (laughs) there we go oh nice um yeah so then so last march actually right before covid hit we we went and skied from aspen to vale which is like a hundred miles um going hut to hut. So that was really awesome. Self-supported. And when we arrived in Vail, we actually skied basically into COVID, um, (laughs) to learn what was going on for the first time, which was really interesting. So, (laughs) oh my gosh, I can't even, that that's hilarious. How long did that take? It was, it was just a week. So, I mean, just a week is like, that's a long time to be on skis and staying in huts, self-supported. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was really, I mean, it was, um, it was really fun for me, but for my friends that don't do endurance, um, they were, um, like day two, they were just like, you've got to be kidding me. We have to do this for a week. I'm like, you guys buck up. I mean, this is what you sign up for. It's kind of fun. Amazing. Amazing. Um, so out of all of the, you just listed so many like big adventures here out of all of like, which is like the biggest adventure that you've done. We're just taking a quick break from today's episode to talk to you about inside tracker. So you want to take charge of your health and wellness. That's why you're here. You're trying to do all the right things for your body to get more energy, better sleep and a healthy immune system. And you probably want to improve your performance. And of course, live a healthy, adventurous life for a long time. But it's confusing out there. There's so much information and misinformation, and what works for someone else might not work for you. You want a clear picture of what your body looks like on the inside, a clear measure of whether your diet and exercise choices are helping or hurting, 
and a clear idea of who and what to trust when it comes to health, wellness, and performance guidance. Founded in 2009, Inside Tracker is the ultra personalized performance system that analyzes data from your blood, DNA, and fitness tracker to help you optimize your body and reach your health and wellness goals. The recommendations that come from the analysis are ultra personalized, and you can choose the ones that are most compatible with your lifestyle. Each recommendation is directly linked to a peer reviewed scientific publication. And Inside Tracker doesn't just show the normal biomarker zones, they show you the optimal biomarker zones and numbers that are best for your body. And now, for a limited time, you can get 25% off the entire Inside Tracker store. Just go to insidetracker.com slash consummate. That is insidetracker.com slash consummate. All right, now back to the episode. Every adventure is just, you know, it's a little different. Probably biking across America. My very first adventure was my biggest adventure, mostly because I, I also just didn't know what I was doing. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So. Pretty quickly, you're you're figuring that out. I'm as I'm like thinking about it, it's it's not even just like the the bike shorts or anything. I'm like thinking about the eating for all of these things. Like, right. That's the biggest learning curve, right? The how do you how do you fuel all day for these things? Right. Um, yeah. And I actually was really broke. I was so young, you know, and I got a sponsorship by power bar (laughs) and I, I ate all of the really dense, you know, those just super dense, like power bars that nobody would eat now because they, I mean, they've changed their recipe, but I like lived off of those for a month. (laughs) Amazing. That's hilarious. I always talk about, we've had a, we had a traveling power bar for like seven years that just came everywhere with us in our food box. And we just never, we just wouldn't, wouldn't do it. It was always sort of like the emergency power bar. And we finally got rid of it because we were like, I don't know what kind of emergency we're going to need to have before we finally crack this one open. And I think it had expired (laughs) like four years earlier. So we were finally like, okay, it's time, time to to (laughs) move on from this. Um, Definitely. That's, ah, that's awesome. Um, and okay. So how are you, uh, how are you prepping for this 50 mile run? I'm always so interested in how people train for, for ultra running. So there's such a vast array of, of training like philosophies we'll say. Yeah. I'm, I'm not a very, I'm not, (laughs) I'm not very good at training. No, I just, I just run. So for me, it's just about like trying to put in miles, um, Mm -hmm. And I'm not, I'm not very, um, regimented about it. I'm just like, I'll just, I get to the weekend. I think that's the one reason why I stopped doing like ultra runs, especially like, I, I don't think I'll ever run a hundred miles again, just because every weekend you're stuck running. You're like, Oh, it would be great to go rock climbing or biking or anything, but I really just have to run. Yep. Um, and that's kind of where I'm at right now because I'm a little bit behind on my training. So now I'm just like, oh, yeah, my friends are all, what are you doing this weekend? I'm running. <laughs> yep. So, and it's funny. I have yeah. a hundred K coming up, not this coming weekend, but next. And I'm in that same, I, I said, I'm like starting to hit that like wall of just like, I'm so sick of running on weekends. Like I just, I was so happy to finish my run on Sunday and be like, it's taper time like it's not even that I get to do other stuff but it's just like I get like seven hours of my life back on the weekend this coming weekend and then several recovery days after the actual thing yes didn't think I'd ever get sick of it but I'm just like I'm so tired of running right now (laughs) totally yeah that's how I yeah that's exactly how I feel too And it's funny because, you know, I still have so many friends that are just such big runners and that's Mm -hmm. all they talk about. And I'm just like, oh, you know, I really just want to spend a weekend like playing music and like (laughs) sitting around. It's such an important balance, I think. Like there's the the times for the, the, you know, specific training, but then we do need to have like the, the off season of just like whatever on the weekend adventure. Yeah. Fun. Um, what about injury avoidance here? Like these are some big honking adventures that you're doing. How have you managed to get through these 
in one piece, it looks like. Lots of physical therapy through the years, I would say. Um, A friend of mine was saying that the older you get, the less you have to work because you have to do more physical therapy, (laughs) which I thought was really funny. Um, And then like anytime my friends are like, oh, my knee hurts. I'm like, oh, I've been through that. Why don't you get a, you know, a band (laughs) around your house for a while? (laughs) So, yeah, I mean, for me, I'm always like checking and balancing like every part of my body to make sure it's functioning, you know, and just being really aware and then putting in the time mm-hmm. doing the therapy to make sure every muscle is strong. Yeah. So. That's a lesson I am finally starting to like understand and like truly do, which I do not care for one bit. I will tell you that I'm like, Oh, I've spent how much time just like stretching things. Come on but it's well, so and you're it. a, <laughs> Yeah. I mean, you're a yoga instructor, which is like, yeah. <laughs> I used to be a yoga instructor as well. Um, I just think it's like that natural thing you mm-hmm. have to do. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, along with all the other sports. So hundred percent. Yeah. Like I, you know, for the past like eight years, I've had my like morning yoga routine that I do without fail every day. I do like one, like, you know, full thing a week, like whatever. So I I put in that time, but then just like the actual, like physical therapy exercises for specific things, like for my knee at the moment, I'm just like, I don't want to do these. They're annoying. And I feel bad, like I'm bad at them. So like, naturally I don't want to do them where is a yoga flow. I can like do all day and be like perfectly happy. Uh, So I know the more, the more I dislike doing it, the more I need, I probably need to do it, but it's a, it's an everyday battle for sure. Yeah. (laughs) hip openers for me. That's me. Mm-hmm. I'm always like, Oh, I need to do those. I don't do them. Well, <laughs> yeah, don't do them well. So I don't want to do them, but they're the <laughs> ones that matter for sure. Um, and okay. Let's I, so wait, are you, are you in your home right now? Is this background your house? Yeah. And it's actually a mess right now because we are claying we're claying our walls right now. So everything's like nice. moved over to my climbing wall. And <laughs> I was going to say, I like, I realized that most people are going to be listening to it. Like there's no video with this, but I just want to point out that you have a climbing wall behind you and a set of rings. Is that? Yeah. And yeah, I have a, I have, this is like my little girl cave. Um, <laughs> amazing. Amazing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So like, I have like all of Ibex really usually on one side. And then the other side is like my climbing wall, yoga mat, my rings, I have a little box. Um, yeah. So I can just be, you know, <laughs> to my girl cave things in here. Fantastic. <laughs> just fantastic. Okay. With the rock wall, like how, how do you use that? Because I, I love that you have it. Like, do you I mean, move it around? Do you like practice on certain holds? Do you just hang? Like, yeah, all of that. Um, I, and I have a lot of friends that will come. I mean, not a lot, but I have like a handful of friends that will come over and set routes for us. Um, and then, you know, and then it becomes this thing, like, have you, have you finished this route? <laughs> That's so cool. So. I love it. Our, our condo has, is like two stories and like open with a loft. So we have like one really high wall and we're always like, if this condo wasn't just like so much drywall, I would a hundred percent be like trying to set that up, but it would take so much work to like stud the wall enough to make a climbing wall happen in here. But it's, it's like always in the back of my mind (laughs) and I'm very jealous of yours. I mean, yeah, it's good core, right? So and so I feel good. like that's the one thing that everyone should always be working on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think that's like the biggest advice I end up giving my friends all the time. Well, have you worked your core? A hundred percent. Yeah. For, for trail running, for riding. It's so funny how much of like these activities that you think are like leg and cardio based all come down to like, if you have a strong core, you're spending so much less energy. You're so much more efficient. You're so much safer. <laughs> it's incredible. (laughs) Yeah. So yeah, that's why I like it. And the rings too. The rings are really good for core. How are you, how do you use the rings? Do you do like muscle ups on them or like, 
I just, I really just play on them, but yeah, I do I muscle it. pull-ups. <laughs> oh my gosh. I love that. You were like, I don't really consider myself a, an athlete, but I have this rock wall on these rings, but no, no, no big deal. <laughs> this is amazing. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So now let's, let's talk Ibex here. How does someone go from waitressing and doing the occasional stand-up at a comedy club to working at Ibex and also explain Ibex to those who have kind of recently come to the outdoor industry? Cause I feel like it's, it's pretty like old school, but like a lot of newer, maybe athletes haven't heard of it. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I guess it was from starting so young, um, just writing that, um, I was just in that, I'm in that age bracket where they didn't have enough really great gear for women. And in the, like, at the time I just decided, you know, I'm going to go, I was a graphic designer in, for the outdoor industry um, really worked in the climbing industry, um, a lot. And I decided to go back to school and get my degree in apparel so that I could, you know, design like good gear for women, really. And I, I would say that I'm like, I feel like men's designs are actually faster for me now than women, but, um, I did, but we have to say women are much more complicated, right? Like that's a fairly accurate thing to say. Totally. Right. And they're like, yeah, they're a little more fashion savvy, mm-hmm. um, for the most part. So they're kind of just thinking through their wardrobe more than men, but, um, <laughs> I, and then I also studied wool. Um, I have always had an obsession with wool. Just, I mean, since my first pair of like Merino wool socks, I would say, um, which a friend, you know, a friend of mine was like, Oh, I'll never go back. And so then I tried him and I was like, Oh, he's right. I'll never go back. Um, and then I've slowly just like moved my entire wardrobe over to Merino wool, um, (laughs) through the years. (laughs) And I'm just like, and I'm obsessed with having Merino wool and everything. Um, so this running Ibex is a really natural fit for me. It's something I have worked towards for a really long time. And so then when the position opens, um, I was prepared to take it on. Um, <laughs> so Ibex has been around since 1997 and they um, actually went out of business in 2018, 2018. And um, they were bought out by the, um, the new owners, Flower Fund in New York City. And when they were looking to relaunch, we were put in contact and I went out there. Um, I just flew to New York because I wanted to make sure I liked them. (laughs) And I did like them. We got along famously. Um, and so we felt like it was a natural fit. So now I'm, um, helping to revive and relaunch Ibex. And so Ibex historically, I would say it was like the third largest Merino wool company um, among all of the, like the other Merino brands and really made a name for itself as being, um, innovators of wool. I would say they have always had like the coolest Merino products and they've always like put out the best materials on the market historically. And so that's kind of what we're doing with Ibex 2.0 is really like looking historically at what Ibex um, put out and really trying to revive that and bring that back. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. Nice. Okay. So first of all, like that's a, that's a pretty big, like job, the like, career move. Um, were you terrified about it at all? Or like, I'm always just so curious yeah. about this. Like, this is like a big deal, right? <laughs> yeah. Like, Here's a brand, <laughs> make it work. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. And it's been like, it's been a really big change because I've always been in design. Um, I mean, before I was an apparel designer, I was a graphic designer and I just like really have been in just the design realm. Um, and I mean, I ran my own consulting business, but like nothing like running a brand. And I just think 
yeah, I was really nervous about it, but <laughs> talking to the owners, I felt like I would be surrounded with people that knew what they were doing that would be giving us advice. And um, so in the end, really, I'm just kind of the sounding board of what is best for the brand. And then we always bring in like, you know, the right people for to really help us make the right decisions to move mm-hmm. the brand forward. Nice. Okay. And we've been talking about Merino wool here. Can you explain exactly what Merino wool is and like why it's awesome? Because I agree. Hence my like intense love affair with Merino wool hoodies that everyone who has listened to the podcast or ever seen our website or Instagram is very well aware of at this point. (laughs) Yeah. Um, so Merino wool comes from the Merino sheep, um, which is which lives in pretty harsh weather conditions, um, from, you know, like even just a few, it's like everyone associates Merino with New Zealand and Australia, which are two very different climates, if you think about it. Um, so it's very hot and it's very cold. Um, so then the Merino fiber, um, on top of that is pretty soft too. It's really, um, so it's not, it's a little bit, it's softer and it's a finer wool than you would find on just like a regular sheep. Um, regular sheep. <laughs> I mean, all wool is really good. But then anyway, so then they, um, the thing about Merino is that, you know, it, it comes in different micron weights. Um, it's most often found like in our first layers in an 18 to 19, five micron. And, um, what it's like, and it's made into luxurious fibers that we wear. Um, it's temperature regulating, it's quick drying. Um, it's, it doesn't stink. It's, I was going to say, I mean, it's, smelly. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it is like, probably, I would say it's the best. It's the, it's the best sports fiber that you could wear just because it's, it does everything that you want it to do for your body when you're it's a performance fiber does everything that you want it to do naturally so you're not like wearing plastic next to your skin you're wearing merino which is like regulating and like moving you know moving moisture away from your your body and quick drying and yeah it's Mm -hmm. merino (laughs) <laughs> oh, I, I love it. Um, I've had very similar experiences. I feel like a lot of, a lot of hikers obviously have been using it for, for ages at this point, you know, runners have gotten into it. So I'd say cyclists have also gotten into it. A lot of, a lot of the upper layers are now Merino. Um, and I mean, I think the nice thing, like you said about like plastics is people are kind of turning more towards those more natural fibers because they are more natural and therefore, you know, less plastic involved. So, you know, we, we sort of talked about this before we started recording, but I mean, you know, this, we're in a lot of sports, the outdoor industry, like a lot of gear is required, not even required, but like gear is awesome. Like a lot of us are just like gear hounds, right? Like it's, it's just kind of part and parcel with being an outdoorsy person who has a lot of different passions for the outdoors, which can lead to, even though we're like these very natural, like outdoors athletes, we use a lot of stuff. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, you know, I'd say the outdoor industry has a sustainability issue and it seems like a lot of brands are stepping up to the plate, Ibex included. And that's why, you know, I was excited to, to chat with you. So yeah. Talk to me about what the brand is up to with that. Yeah. Um, so I would say, yeah, the outdoor industry has had like a really big issue in the past with sustainability. And it's something that the entire industry is currently addressing, um, which is really exciting. Mm -hmm. Um, With IBEX in particular, it's, we are climate neutral certified. um, But I will say that that was one of the easiest certifications we could could get. Um, There's a lot of things that we're still like, looking at and trying to figure out, you know, what we need to do to take steps to maybe get more certifications. But at the same time, I'm not necessarily convinced that certifications make you a better brand. Mm -hmm. So um, we definitely start 
you know, we, we think about sustainability really holistically from cradle to cradle. And we are hoping that as we expand, we can continue that. Um, but it starts first with the fiber and, um, you know, how our, our, um, treatment of sheep. So we're all, we're always looking if our suppliers are not responsible wool standard approved, we're looking for that type of treatment of animals. Um, none of our wool is musled, which if you look that up, <laughs> you'll, you're, yeah. Um, and then once it gets into the fiber stage, we're also looking like we use um, Okio certified dyes. Um, our suppliers have one of our main supplier right now has a five stage water treatment um, system that basically re uh, treats the water and recycles it. Um, nice. And then, you know, and we're just like, basically with every single product that we make, we're really like looking holistically at what we can do to reduce our impact in every, every part of that. So. No, I love that. Um, I also have to say, okay, actually I'm going to back up with, with Merino. Do you, would you know why with some brands of Merino and I will not name them because I'm sure it's not their fault. Some brands of Merino, I can't wear because they're just too itchy for me. Like they bother my skin a lot, but then some brands are totally fine. Is there like a difference from company to company? What's the deal? Probably supply. Yeah. From company to company, you will find a difference. And I think that would really come down to the micron. It could come down to the dyes as well, though. Ooh, um, that's a fair point. Yeah. Cause I think it actually was like a pink base layer that like just destroyed my skin, but the black one didn't really bug me quite as much. Oh, interesting. Hmm. Yeah. So, and we get a lot of people that write in to find out what kind of dyes we're using because, um, usually, um, that will affect, I mean, it, it does affect the wool. So, hmm. um, and then the micron is a huge one too. You, you want a finer micron, um, because that just makes it soft. Okay. Okay. Um, so I'm looking at the rack behind you and I have to say, like, I just love that. It's like a sea of neutral colors. I'm not seeing like a ton of really bright colors popping out. Anyone who again, knows anything about me knows that I'm just like black, white, and like every shade of gray in between is like all I want. So I'm, I think I like Merino wool partially because most like very rarely are you seeing like neon pink Merino wool. It's pretty much right. always like a classy-ish neutral. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, and I mean, as far as like design, apparel design goes, I feel like the, I mean, maybe you can just speak to this, like how, how has, uh, especially women's apparel design in like the outdoor industry, how is it like changing and shifting over the last couple of years? I have my thoughts on it, but I, I want to hear yours first. <laughs> um, well, I think first, first of all, just even technical gear, um, really has, become more prevalent with women there was just like a point at which they didn't see women as technical or something um uh -huh. so and it's really funny too when I design things I had some lady like write in she was like do you not think women want pockets and I'm like no the women's stuff has pockets I promise just as many if not more pockets than the <laughs> I give you I extra it. pockets. I know. <laughs> she, she was writing a, about a very specific product, but I was like, no, no, it has pockets. <laughs> I just didn't give it a chest pocket. <laughs> um, so for women, I just feel like um, a lot of it comes down like real. You have to have like a really good fit. You need all of the technical aspects that men have gotten their whole life. And yeah. And so I see a big shift. I mm -hmm. mean, I've seen a big shift in the industry, even just in the last five years. Definitely. Um, yeah. We've... We're getting more and more gear every day, which yeah. is exciting. Yeah. <laughs> and we're moving away from like the, the like shrink it and pink it mentality, especially I'm going to say like the pink mentality, um, which nothing, mm -hmm. nothing against pink, but like I said, I'm a neutral person and I used to be furious that I couldn't find just black versions of most things. 
And I would say now it's, yeah. it's so much easier to find, if not black, at least a more muted colorway or a neutral of some type. And that's been a big change for me because I mean, I spend most of my life in athletic gear. And like, I was saying like every picture of me involves me like doing something athletic. Like there's very few pictures of me outside of sport. So I'd rather look like myself and like be wearing clothes that like feel like my personality when I am on the bike or on the run. So that's been really nice. <laughs> yeah, no, I feel exactly the same way. Like I hate that. Like I used to hate, like every time I would get in my gear, I would be like, really, this is what I have to look like. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> there wasn't a better option. <laughs> yeah. But and- now it's like, um, there's, yeah, there's great gear. Yeah. Um, and that's one thing I I have to say, like Ibex, that's one thing that really attracted me to the brand and made me want to work for them to begin with is I felt like they were city to slope before it was cool. Um, they were doing it for years. And, um, so that's like, yeah, it's kind of my dream job. So, Mm -hmm. and I mean, if the pandemic has taught us nothing, it's the value of a good pair of like sweatpants or tights to wear while working from home. Yep. Totally. So. Yeah. Um, okay. So what are your, what are your like go-to absolute favorite can't live without Ibex products? You know, that's a good question. The joggers are really nice. I've been eyeing them. I'm not going to lie. I love a jogger. <laughs> I'm like mildly obsessed with the right jogger. I actually, I literally wrote an article about this. as just like a complete aside um, because my friend and I had done a, a big bike packing sort of expedition, like uh, big is pushing it. We rode a hundred miles to a place. We like did a ho- It was like hotel style. So we just had like little tiny backpacks. We rode a hundred miles. Then we ran a trail marathon the next day. And then we rode the hundred miles home the day after and nice. all like we couldn't bring much, right. Because we had tiny backpacks. Um, so I just jammed a pair of, uh, leggings in and I was so mad at myself the entire, like any off bike or not running time, because the last thing that I wanted on my legs was tight leggings. Yeah. So I was so uncomfortable because all I wanted was, my, was like my skin to be able to breathe a little bit. So since then I've been like obsessed with not just joggers, but finding like the lightest, most packable joggers that you can find. It's been totally. this really weird like thing for me lately. So yeah, it, <laughs> I hear you on joggers. It's not weird. I have so many joggers. Um, no, I hear you. And then I also think, um, our Woolies tech base layers are, I think they're bomb proof. Um, I absolutely love them. And I think that they're probably the best base layer on the Mm -hmm. market for their weight. So, um, yeah. yeah. I think honestly, if I would say like anyone should buy, like if I was picking just sort of my like capsule, gear collection it would have a merino base layer in it like as my first immediate thought because it can be worn for anything right like you can throw a cycling jersey over it and boom you have a long sleeve cycling jersey you can wear it regularly for running you can go hiking in it you can do it just it's an everyday shirt like every trip we've done where we have like a very minimal amount of stuff i will have a merino long sleeve base layer like across the board yeah absolutely so Nice. And do you have any exciting developments in the works as we sort of wrap this up? What's, what's next for Ibex? What should we be looking for? You know, we have a lot of really exciting, um, stuff coming out for fall, winter, um, including more base layers of different weights, um, which is, I mean, I feel like, I mean, I live in Merino, so I have a base layers of every single weight in Merino and I feel like everyone needs to own them. Um, the, let's see where we have some other new material developments that are underway. Um, that's something that's like really key to Ibex. So, um, some interesting, um, uh, boucle, washable wool boucle we're working on, um, which is just more of a, like a casual everyday piece. Um, and then one of the things that I really have been looking at, you know, Ibex did cycling gear really well. And so there are some pieces that I feel like we want to 
possibly look at bringing back, but I don't really want to say we're going to bring back a full collection Mm -hmm. of cycling gear, but I would say there's um, definitely some things on the horizon. No. And, (laughs) and then um, yeah. um, Just, yeah. um, Be on the lookout because lots of cool things are coming out. I love it. I love it. Um, And then last thing I want to ask before we wrap up is, I mean, we sort of talked about this as far as like thinking about sustainability with brands and as someone's like looking for new gear, it sort of sounds to me like what you're, what you've been saying is instead of maybe looking at the like labels that a company has, or like the certifications that they have, like that's, that's one thing you can look at, but also like actually looking at the company itself and like what they're doing because the labels don't, totally tell the whole story would that be accurate yeah I mean I would say yeah that's pretty accurate I feel like when you're looking at sustainability you can never be like oh this is the perfect solution you always have to like really account for everything that you're planning everything that you're doing Um, and especially when you're buying a piece that you plan to wear for certain activities or um you know, from like, you're not going to wear like a hundred percent Merino lightweight base layer to do like really more technical rock climbing stuff in. Mm-hmm. So I, I think sustainability really come, doesn't just come down to the label, but really it, I feel like consumers have to do a little bit more research, yes. look at what the company is doing, look at everything that, um, they're putting out. Mm-hmm. So yes. I don't think that's the best answer, but <laughs> no, it's a great answer. It's a great answer. And I think the other thing is just, I mean, we've talked about like how versatile some of the stuff is, but looking for gear that you can use from, from thing to thing, like obviously some stuff is going to require very specialized gear. I would never tell someone to, you know, go for a bike ride in Lululemon, like tights, right? Like I would always say, no, right. you, need, you need to wear a chamois. Like that's, that's a non-negotiable. But, you know, like running, biking, whatever, there's a lot of stuff that can cross over. So you don't necessarily need like the exact gear for like this very niche activity. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. Awesome. Okay. Where can everyone find you, find Ibex, et cetera, et cetera? Um, So currently you can only find Ibex online at (laughs) www.ibex.com. Excellent. Yeah. And then in the next year or so, we'll be in some fun boutique wholesale stores. So um, look, look at your local shops and hopefully we'll be there. Amazing. Oh, Bonnie, it was so much fun getting to chat with you. I love, I love the fact that you were like, I'm not a consummate athlete at all, but here's all of the reasons (laughs) I very clearly am one. I love it. I love it so much. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Thanks for having me on. Thanks so much for tuning into the Consummate Athlete Podcast. If you enjoyed this or any of our past episodes, do us a solid and leave us a rating or review wherever you listen to podcasts and check out our book, Becoming a Consummate Athlete, over at consummateathlete.com. Questions or comments? Find us over on Instagram at consummateathlete and we will see you next week.